Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The update has four children and two retirees stabbed in a knife attack in France, or France as the kids say. The suspect, a Syrian refugee, walking around with the knife, just walking up to people and stabbing them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. There is video of the attack that's out there. And it should be known that when you don't know who's coming to the country, bad things can happen. Even when you know. Because this guy, according to the sources, the latest reporting, entered the country legally and was carrying Swedish identity papers and a Swedish driver's license. He was granted asylum 10 years ago. So this wasn't a case of just somebody who was let into France. Now, what is the the stabbing about? What was the purpose here? Do I really care when you're stabbing children? Does it? matter to me it it does not matter to me i think what we have to ask ourselves is why does it happen at all like we have to ask ourselves why do shootings take place in the united states like we have to ask ourselves why is it that people are acting the fool on an airplane there could be different answers to all these things it's just the update Uh, A story was out there. I wanted to bring it to you. This is four children wounded. Nobody has been killed in this stabbing in France. The places that will tell you we don't have any violence because we don't allow guns do indeed have violence. And now you've got, uh, what's his name? Gavin Newsom, who cannot properly run a state who now wants to push an amendment to the Constitution, limiting weapons, banning weapons, you got to be 21 to get a gun. Again, somebody who spends no time actually focused on what causes things, only spends time on ideological fantasies of we can do away with the Second Amendment. You want to go pitch another amendment to the Constitution? Go right ahead. Go ahead. Best of luck getting it through Congress and then best of luck getting it through the states. Knock yourselves out. Have a nice day. Then there's the story of Representative Katie Porter, who is actually defending ESG. If I value investing in a company that prioritizes energy efficiency, I can't make that free choice if Republicans limit information on the company's environmental footprint. What kind of freedom is that for me as an investor? Let's call this hearing what it is. It's an attack on economic freedom. Such falsehoods from Katie Porter should be met with strong resistance. The issue is not that a company, in my view, can't say this is our environmental footprint. And the issue is not that you as a private investor can't make decisions based on that environmental footprint. It is that when there is a group of people putting their money in and you are managing their money, 
Your job is the return and not do they hit certain woke benchmarks. Your job is to provide the return and you are taking advantage of people, not providing them the return that could be gotten for them, but rather providing a return based on your desires and your thoughts on how the world should work. That isn't your job. That is not a fiduciary responsibility. A company that um, isn't as green, a company A is not as green as company B, doesn't mean that that company is somehow destroying the environment, does it? So your ESG investing, your environmental social governance investing, is about setting standards that don't have any place in society. They have a place in your fantasy. And the investors, the people, deserve to get returns on their investments to the best of their ability. You're saying that doesn't even matter at the quick. And that's why Katie Porter should not be in any position, Representative Porter should be in no position to work with your money. Best of luck if you vote for her as a senator of California as she's running. But all this is just to set up a conversation about the view. I know, I know, I know. Tony, you promised you wouldn't talk about The View anymore. Right. You're screaming at me. You got to trust me on this one. You got to trust me on the story of Alyssa Farrah Griffin finally learning maybe that she ain't special and that Sonny Hostin and Joy Behar hate her. Sonny Hostin is a bigot. Said it, meant it. I am more than happy to go on the show and discuss her bigotry with her. We're not discussing the idea that she might see a policy differently than I do. We're discussing the approach, the attitude, the statements. We're discussing her bigotry, uh, her hatred of, of white people, her hatred of conservatives. Now, you can say to me, Tony, she doesn't hate white people. She's got white friends. If you push systemic racism, if you tell Senator Tim Scott that he's an exception and that he doesn't understand what racism is, you're telling a black man he doesn't really understand what it is to be black, and you're saying that uh, uh, so-and-so or such-and-such is just an example of white supremacy, I I believe those are all the, the preconditions to hating people based on the color of their skin. You're right. She has never come out and said such words. But man, does she come out and show her disdain for anybody who disagrees with her every day of the week. That disdain has now reached Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Remember, she has disdain for Senator Tim Scott because he doesn't think systemic racism exists. You don't think it doesn't exist in your mind. I'll get into more of that coming up. But with Alyssa Farrah Griffin, who is not a conservative, and she has proven herself a failure on the show, Alyssa Farrah Griffin actually thought she was a member of the team. And she doesn't understand, and maybe doesn't understand until now, that her job is to get punched in the face. That's her job. Take the punches from Sonny Hostin and from Joy Behar. I I said this the, the other day. Um, 
it's I can't say it enough that Sonny Host and Enjoy Behar hate Alyssa Farrah Griffin. If Alyssa Farrah Griffin fell down the stairs, Joy Behar and Sonny Hostin would scream out, are the stairs okay? It's real hate. Let me break it down for you in this segment. Because you have to understand that this isn't just about Alyssa Farrah Griffin. This isn't just about somebody who's a former uh, Penn staffer and Trump staffer. This is about you. This is about understanding how the view is politically. That for the ideological left, it's more than disagreement. It is disgust and something has to be done about you. And there is no forgiveness and there is no changing your view. And most importantly, they'll decide when you've had enough. Let me break it down for you right here. I think he wants power. I think he wants so much power that in 2017, he closed public beaches to all of New Jersey, except for his family and his son, so he could have his son's birthday party on the beach. I think he thinks How does he get special. power by entering think, the race? Though, I think he thinks he's he special. But what scares win. me, no. Alyssa... She's talk- that's Sonny Hostin talking about Chris Christie, the, the governor of New Jersey, entering this race. I, I don't see his path, and you can follow my, my videos there at Rumble and at YouTube. I don't see his path, but you, you never get harmed entering the race, right? You enter the race. You never know what could happen. And you're right. He did close the beaches, and uh, then he was on the beach, and it was pretty ugly. But now Sonny Hostin is going to come right at Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Regarding Mike Pence, who, of course, she worked on the comms team for him and worked uh, uh, there for President Trump. I think think he thinks he's special. But what scares me, Alyssa, is that you are incapable of defending a man that you worked for, that you know of. Oh, no, no. Why don't you ask me a question rather than... I did ask you a question. And you said that you needed to hear more from him. And I don't need to hear more from Pence for several reasons. Because when I live in... Well, you just accuse me of something, so why don't you let me actually answer? You're not going to vote for a Republican ever. No, no, no. I'm going to finish what I'm going to say. You get no chance to speak. I'm simply going to list off... Anything I want to say, I'm going to attack you in all these ways. You're incapable, and now I'm going to tell you why you're incapable, and you're not going to get a chance. Follow what happens here. This laundry list that Sonny Hostin has about uh, Mike Pence and how Joy Behar is there to cheer her on. Um, The thing about Pence here is that when I lived in Indiana and I went to Notre Dame, he had a terrible approval rating because of the way he treated the AIDS crisis. Awful. Uh, A lot of people died because of him. A lot of people. That is madness. If you're talking about Mike Pence, the former governor of Indiana and AIDS, you'd be talking about. Mike Pence in Congress? I I think that's what you would be chatting about there. Mike Pence killed people? You know, Mike Pence is governor of Indiana, for all the things you want to say about him. He was the guy who okayed needle exchange because there was an HIV, was an HIV breakout uh, in, in some uh, southern counties of Indiana, and this was the way to stop it. This was the way to stop it. So 
there was an issue, it grew, and he said, okay, let's do this thing. There's there's no question that he got no respect for that whatsoever. But the idea that Mike Pence made, killed people regarding AIDS is just a ridiculous statement. This is what they say about Ronald Reagan. That is a ridiculous statement. Mike Pence killed people with AIDS. But it doesn't matter. She doesn't have to prove herself. All she has to do is say things. And here it goes. Died because of how he handled the COVID crisis. He I mean, was you, actually, ju- you defended Cornell speaking, West yesterday, I'm who still, would destroy I'm our country. He also um, was a parrot for Trump. Don't he make this personal. Let's hear. He yeah. spearheaded the Trump. Sonny likes to make it personal spearhead- with me, so we'll just. He's, he's, well, are you going to give me a chance to answer? Speaking the truth. Spearheading troop, uh, Trump's yeah, COVID-19 I mean, agenda <laughs> of downplaying the virus. Well, this is not what Sonny Hostin doesn't care what's being said. Joy Behar is telling Alyssa Farrah Griffin not to take it so personal. Don't make it personal. Sonny Hosen just told her, uh, Alyssa, that she's incapable of this. And look at all these things that that you've somehow she's done, even though they're things that not even Mike Pence has done. She's just reading. She's just reading. She's just reading. She doesn't care. Because she doesn't care about Alyssa Farrah Griffin, just like she doesn't care about you. She doesn't believe that you should have a say. She doesn't believe Alyssa Farrah Griffin should have a say. This is an extremely important thing to note. Why this is so important is because it is, in this two-minute segment, this remarkable moment that explains how the left views the right. You should not have a say. And if you should have a say, oh, you're taking it too personally. We're going to get rid of gas stoves. Wait a second. Why are you getting rid of gas stoves? Nobody said we're going to get rid of gas stoves. Why are you talking about getting rid of gas stoves? Look at those Republicans and their culture wars. You just saw it play out. Sonny Hosted tells Alyssa Farrah Griffin, you supported this terrible person, these terrible things, and you're indefensible. And Alyssa, Alyssa is like, when do I get to speak? And Joey Behar is like, why are you getting so defensive? Don't you know you're supposed to take your punishment? Don't you know that's why you got hired? You got hired to be punched in the face. It's very possible for the first time ever, Alyssa Farrah Griffin has figured it out. She is not an equal on the show. Maybe now she understands why Elizabeth Hasselbeck did what she did and Meghan McCain did what she did. Her job is to get punched in the face. And when you say, okay, I'm not getting punched in the face, that's when the clock starts. And that's when the end is near. The best part of this is when Whoopi jumps in. The show is about. This is Barbara it's Walters' legacy. It's Let everybody's a woman view. Everybody's view. No, it's everybody's view. view. And Pence did not quarantine. Well, enjoy you asked Pence not, did not quarantine you did not himself. You said, why would someone vote? Are for you just going to keep yes. going, or am I going to get? Yes, because I'm not going to answer my question. You know what? I kind of feel like I need to go to break right now. Well, no, let me. No, no, no. Maybe. I can't hear anybody saying anything. It's hard to be I know. So maybe we need to just figure out how we do this again. Let's yeah. have this break and let's figure out how we're going to make this work. We'll be- 
Sunny Hostin feels like she's the one who's been interrupted. Alyssa Farrah Griffin gets two minutes of getting brutalized and is given no chance uh, to explain herself. Explain thoughts and ideas and theories. And Sunny Hostin actually says, this is everybody's view. She's going to learn, and maybe this is the first step, that she's not there to be treated like an equal. She's not seen as equal. She's there to get punched in the face. And for everybody else, it's a very important lesson. The left doesn't want to hear what the right has to say. The left wants to keep the right from saying anything at all and wants to punish them for their thoughts. Do we have any idea how weird the world has gotten, how ugly America is right now? If you don't, watch that segment again and again and again. Listen to it again and again and again. You'll figure it out quick. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is up 158. The NASDAQ is up 102. And jobless claims are up. Huh. Now, the unemployment rate did tick up from 35 to 3.7%. But very often that is a misleading number because it depends on who's in the workforce, who's actually looking for work, who's dropped out, the whole, the whole thing. Jobless claims were 261,000 for the week ending June 3rd. So that's up almost 30,000 from the previous week. The estimate was 235,000. It's the highest weekly rate since the end of October of 2021. I don't know. What do I do with that information? What do I do with that information? That first-time jobless claims are up. Well, we've seen the layoffs. We've seen repeated layoffs. We've seen small company layoffs. We've seen people engage in closing of, of, of facilities. Everybody gearing up for what they know is coming, what they know is here, which is recession. Everybody's gearing up. The The amount of shedding that big tech has been doing, now we see it in, you know, they, they, they're changing a plant here so they no longer have a distribution spot over there. They're changing something here so they can get rid of these 172 jobs over there. These things add up. People are trying to do much, much more with much, much less. This is why we're hearing about conversations of get back to the office, whether it be from Elon Musk or Sundar Pichai, the the CEO of Google. Hey, we got to get people back to the office because we have to actually get productivity. And we're not getting the productivity when you're working from home. Because when you're working from home, it's understood that you ain't doing nothing. I mean, that's, we're, we're in this. We are in this, and it's only going to get more and more intense, the battle of, hey, we're done, we're done with this remote work stuff. Done with it. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear you complain about it. Get yourself into the office. Get yourself there. So get ready for it. You're going to see a lot of it. A lot of it.
people are going to be like, I won't go back to work over here. Well, best luck getting another job in another place because those jobs aren't available. This is Tony Katz today. How much hangs on his next moves? Yeah, I think there was certainly a perception with Chris, um, and you can, depending on who you ask, I think it, it sort of ranges in reality. But I think it's fair to say that Chris took his marching orders from David Zasloff, who may be watching this right now. Uh, and, and to some degree, John Malone, the board member there, who has sure. been on our air talking about how he felt like CNN should be more of sort of an old style, you know, early 1990s CNN, where it was down the middle, just the news, just the facts. He made a comment about, you know, we need to bring in sort of journalists again, which I think rubbed a lot of people at CNN the wrong way, because there are, of course, hundreds, thousands of journalists there. Um, and they have been doing journalism for the past few years. The question now is, if you're going to find a new leader, do you task that new leader with a new vision for mm. CNN? Or do you just keep kind of repeating the same things you've been saying about CNN? Like, well, it used to be an advocacy network, and now we want to make it sort of this down the middle. We want to bring in more Republicans. We want both sides. You can't do any of it unless, of course, you let a leader actually lead. I mean, I think that's the argument, Alex Sherman. You can't actually go about telling somebody lead CNN if you don't let them. And Chris Licht may have very well been a been a bad leader, right? He very well may have been a bad leader at CNN. I don't know it because I don't think the guy ever got a chance to get it off the ground to give it a shot. If the inmates are running the asylum, which is very much what it looks like, that the inmates are running the asylum, well, then how do you get anything done? How do you make any changes? How do you make it better? And all you've done now is created the situation by which you tell the CNN uh, people who are still there that they were never wrong, that everything they've done is good, when everything they've done is not good. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is a conversation that took place on, on CNBC. And it was Alex Sherman, who's uh, there with uh, CNBC, and Brian Stelter. I, I I know. Game over, man. It's game over. Yeah. Brian Stelter, who, of course, got fired because he was um very, very bad at his job. Change approved. I approved the change as well. And then he got it. Did he get a job at Harvard? Or was it Lori Lightfoot, the former mayor of Chicago, got the job at Harvard? Wait, he might have gotten a job at Harvard as well. Remember, the left always takes care of their own. Always takes care of their own every single time. Well, Brian Stelter wants to get on this conversation, too, uh, about Chris Licht. We want to bring in more Republicans. We want both sides. These are the types of things David Zaslav has talked about from CNN. But I don't know if that's enough of a vision to get everyone there on board with the mission. Mm, we, a lot of us, when we were at CNN in the Trump years, felt we were advocating for the truth, advocating for reality. Uh you're the people who pushed Russia, Russia, Russia on us for four years. Everything Trump did was evil, and the thought of anybody else was worse than Hitler. You really think, does he really believe that CNN was advocating for reality? It is this holier-than-thouness that just boggles the mind. 
don't you recognize that you did this? When we talk about the lack of trust in media, don't you recognize, Brian Stelter, you are a part of the reason. Now, people will come at me and say, Tony, what, you're not a part of the reason? I will argue with you that if you were to take a look at the totality of the commentaries that I gave, first, let me be clear, I do commentary. Secondly, that I have shared in multiple sides. And third, the vast majority of my arguments, my conversations, based on the reporting that was out there, was not based on ideology, was based on what is it that we know? Actual data. My gosh, of course I've gotten things wrong before. Absolutely, I've gotten things wrong before. Difference? I didn't say I'm the most moral person in the world and you all have to listen to me. CNN never looked inward and said, you know what? I screwed up on that one. I got that wrong. And actually, you know, you you, you could tie this in to that whole conversation that uh, Chris Christie is having as he's running for president, as we were talking about. And Chris Christie goes in in, in front of his uh, the, the the people there of New Hampshire, and and he's like, "Look, uh, um, people got to play you straight, and they got to admit when they make mistakes." And if your leaders are not willing to admit to you that they're fallible, that they make mistakes, that they hurt like you, that they bleed like you, and that they suffer disappointments and letdowns. Beware. Beware of the leader in this country who you have handed leadership to, who has never made a mistake, who has never done anything wrong, who when something goes wrong, it's always someone else's fault, and who has never lost. (laughs) I've lost. You people did that to me in 2016. All of you. And I have two of my children here tonight who remind me of that all the time. They said, you're going back to New Hampshire? They beat you. But beware of the leader who won't admit any of those shortcomings. It's an interesting take from uh, Chris Christie wanting to show himself as a humble guy who can learn from the past, etc., et and make that a stark contrast to President Trump in this run for 2024. The truth is, we look at those things as weakness um, and more and more, especially in a populist culture. We will look at those things as weakness as opposed to something that... What do, you, do you call it contrite or, or self-effacing or, you know what, good on that, Mar- you know, I appreciate that. I, I'm, I find that endearing. I, I don't think that's going to work on a top-line level for, for Chris Christie. I don't actually think it's the worst approach for him um, to try and gain some support and certainly is a nice counterbalance to the idea of I'm here in this race to punch Donald Trump in the face as many times as I can and then take a breather and then keep punching him in the face, which is how Chris Christie is running the, the, this, this whole race. But this was about the ability to admit a mistake. Now, some people want you to admit mistakes so they can then utilize it against you. 
And this is why admitting things becomes a very, very difficult and problematic proposition. Because if you admit, ah, I got that wrong over here. Well, you got that wrong. You probably got this wrong too. Ah, you can't be trusted. And then they move on. It's it's not an argument of, of the intellectual. It's the argument of Gore Vidal. It's the argument of human garbage. But it worked. Go back to Alinsky. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. Pick the target, personalize it, freeze it, and polarize it. That's what it is. You admit a mistake, it is open season. We've created a society where admitting the mistake is the end. You're over, you're finished, you're done. Oh, they made a mistake. Can't trust them again. And that's why people don't do it. And that's why people hold, that's not what I said. Oh, you don't understand. No, what I meant is this. Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, your mother. And, <laughs> you know, try and change the subject. Go on the offensive. Go on the attack. And because of that, you really do prevent a logical conversation from happening. You you, you prevent um, the, the ability to engage in an exchange it, it goes away. It, 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 it disappears. Brian Stelter believes, believes to his soul that he, that he was reporting on news. But you were there and I was there. We were there. Is that what we think? Do we think that Brian Stelter was really reporting on the news? Because I don't think Brian Stelter was doing that. Brian Stelter wouldn't admit fault if his everything depended on it. He would not admit fault. Let's go back to his commentary here after Alex Sherman from CNBC uh, is is talking. Oh, if that's enough of a vision to get everyone there on board with the mission. Mm, A lot of us, when we were at CNN in the Trump years, felt we were advocating for the truth, advocating for reality. Others felt that was left-leaning. But the point is, CNN was evolving because of the political environment. And I don't think there's a way to turn... anyhow before Chris Lick... Before Lick was arriving, yes. interesting. Uh, You know, I I think it is right that there's a desire to have this much more calm, uh, less controversial political environment that CNN can then cover. But we don't live in that world. In fact, if anything, it's only going to get more chaotic with Donald Trump as the leading contender for the GOP nomination. He's the reason it's chaotic. Not Joe Biden's poor uh, uh, economy, not his failures at the border, not the Chinese spy balloons. Again, listen to what he just said in less than 60 seconds on CNBC. We wanted to report things in a calm way, but look what Trump did. So I ask you, has he learned anything? Am I supposed to take his commentaries here seriously? And the answer is is no. The answer is absolutely not. But then he says the following. I had an anchor today say to me, you know, if you try to be all things, all people, you're not anything to anybody. 
And that's the CNN challenge. It always has been for 40 years to try to just be the plain vanilla news. Well, in an environment where people don't want just plain vanilla news. One of the things that clearly went wrong for Chris Lick was the Donald Trump town hall. Sure. Uh, where, where there's, you know, he, he's up there, he's talking, there's hundreds of his screaming fans that are sort of egging. The, the town hall ag- agreed um, was not t- well taken by the CNN folk and honestly not well taken by, by many because it was... It, it was just poorly done. It was, it was poorly done, and Caitlin Collins did not do a good job, no matter what anybody says. But what an interesting thing from Stelter. Um, that they would love to be playing vanilla news, uh, and there's just no uh, environment for it. Now, that happens to be true, and that is an issue. There is no um, place for plain vanilla news. I don't think you have to be plain vanilla. I think what you have to do is be honest. You know, if 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 you're willing to state here's what if the here's the story, here's what they believe, here's what I believe and here's why and then you can go through it. Okay, at least you've engaged it. But that would be commentary. The conversation here is that you think commentary is news. Because news de facto is plain vanilla. By the way, I love vanilla. Vanilla is delicious. It is plain. It is, it is what it is. Commentary, well, that can go in a bunch of different directions. But the news is the news. Your argument, therefore, Brian Stelter, is that you don't deliver news. You deliver commentary hidden as news you say that it's news but it's actually narrative that's the story what an interesting play because when you listen to it it almost sounds like well you know that is true but now ask yourself what it means if four people died in a fire in a house on long street last night four people died in a fire on long street that's what happened. If four people died in a fire on Long Street and it has people asking questions, why minorities aren't better cared for? That's narrative. That's it, it's it's the old joke, you know, uh, a meteor is going to hit uh, earth and 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 everyone's going to die in the New York Post and the not the New York Post, the New York Times runs a story on it that says meteor to destroy all life on earth, uh, minorities and women hurt worst. That's the point, that CNN didn't actually engage news at all. And if they would just engage news, we'd be far better off. Go back to when uh, Afghanistan fell to the Taliban just a couple years ago and the horrific withdrawal, the embarrassment that is Joe Biden. Clarissa Ward of CNN stayed behind and reported. This woman stayed behind in Afghanistan reporting on the abusiveness of the Taliban as they were taking control back control of the country. It's unbelievable to watch. It is such good reporting. It is so, it, it is the days of the original Iraq war. And Bernard Shaw, it is so good. It's not just good, guys. It is so freaking good. You have to go back and watch it. You got to find the clips. It is great. And you're like, my gosh, they really can do it. 
but they don't. And why do they? Why? Well, you know, Trump. No, this isn't about Trump. It's about you. This is about you. And how could anybody like Chris Licht even have an attempt to clean this all up when there are so many of yous who don't want the news? You're not news people. You're all commentators. The difference between you and me, I admit it. I don't lie. And I also admit my mistakes. I'm Tony Katz. I want to feel just a little, just a little. In a case that's going to get talked about for a while, Supreme Court ruling 5-4 against the state of Alabama today. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The majority which include John and Roberts and includes Brett Kavanaugh, saying that uh, the lower court was correct and that the new drawing of congressional districts in Alabama violated the Voting Rights Act. Quote, the concern that the Voting Rights Act may impermissibly elevate race and the allocation of political power within the states is, of course, not new. Our opinion today does not diminish or disregard these concerns. It simply holds that a faithful application of our precedents and a fair reading of the record before us do not bear them out here. So there's going to be a real question as to uh, two things, if I may. Uh, First, what is it that Alabama had drawn that would be considered unacceptable and unacceptable to whom and based on what framework? Right? I, I have a curiosity there. But number two, Is this the MAGA extremist court that we're talking about that just upheld the Voting Rights Act? Is is that the MAGA extremist court that Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries keep telling us about? Or is this court suddenly got it all together? I'm going to dig more into this. I'll bring more of it to you tomorrow. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.